Welcome back to the Dylan Kelly Sports and Gambling Podcast. I'm your host, Dylan Kelly, and man, do I have a lot to break down and talk to you about today. It was a great week in the NFL, and we're already going to look ahead. So to break down what I'm going to do, I'm going to start with giving my take on some headlines from the sporting world that I saw from my last pod, Friday till now. I'm going to recap my picks from Friday's pod. And then I'm going to look ahead into next week's NFL slate. And then finally, it's Tuesday, so we're going to get into some hot takes at the end of the show. It's maybe my favorite segment that I do here on the podcast. It's Hot Take Tuesday. But without further ado, let's get into the first headline. And the headline one is that I'm sitting there on Sunday. I'm watching the football games. I'm writing down my notes. And a notification from Sportsnet comes across my phone that says, quote-unquote, Austin Matthews speaks out against NHL dress code. And I'm sitting there, and all I can think of is, why the hell do we care what players wear to the rink? Like, honestly, at what job are you required to dress in a uniform to go to the job and then immediately change into the actual uniform you wear at the job? Imagine if you're working a construction job and your boss says, hey, you got to wear a suit to the job site. And then once you get here, you got to change into the company uniform. You'd be like, why? Why do I have to wear a suit if I have to change into the company uniform as soon as I get there? Why do we care what NHL players to the wear to the rink? It's the same concept. It makes no sense to me why people think they have the right to be like, they should be wearing a suit. Who cares? Let the kids play. Let them wear whatever they want. Gretzky could have showed up to every game butt-ass naked and still been the best player of all time. LeBron showed up in track pants and a, and a t-shirt and a glass of wine. Does that make him the worst player to ever play in the NBA? No, because it doesn't matter what they wear to the rink, to the arena. It, it doesn't matter. I don't, care. I don't get why the NHL still thinks you have to wear a suit. You have to wear a suit. Get out of your old ways. Let the kids play. Let them wear whatever they want. The only thing the only thing that that would have been bad about Gretzky about showing up to the rig butt ass naked is he would have been cold in Edmonton. There would have been some bad pictures taken of him and he would have just had to be like, "Well, it's minus 30 degrees here. What can I do?" On to headline number 2, which is Patrick Mahomes, and everyone is losing their mind and he threw an absolutely horrible interception this week and it was absolutely brutal if you watch it he was getting tackled he just kind of popped it up and threw it to absolutely no one he's trying to create some magic and he's got six interceptions on the season so far which is tied for third most in the league in my mind everyone's always so quick to just throw a guy away and say he isn't as good as he used to be or that the league's figured him out he doesn't have it anymore but here is my take this guy knows he has to be out of this world good for them to even have a chance to win. The pressure of having to be absolutely perfect all the time will get to absolutely anyone, and I think that's what we're seeing here with Patrick Mahomes. That defense is not like not going to help him out at all. Little voice crack, whatever. That defense is not going to help him out at all, and they're so bad in Kansas City that it's even making Patrick Mahomes worse. And there's my take. And my headline number three. This one made national news. You probably heard about it, but I made a fantasy football trade. And let me, yeah, it made national news, I know. And let me get into this. I'm put you a little backstory. I'm 0-5 in that league. I'm panicking because I have Christian McCaffrey. I go on the app, I'm looking to make a trade, and I get a trade offer. I get, I get, AJ, or I'm trading away 
A.J. Brown, and I receive Chuba Hubbard. I start thinking about A.J. Brown's horrible stats, his bad hammy, my horrible record. I have Antonio Brown, Keenan Allen, D.J. Moore as my other wide receivers, and I accepted. Did I lose? I, I don't know. I usually put a poll, a poll out on Spotify. I know a lot of people listen on an Apple, podca- uh, Apple podcast, but I put a poll out on Spotify. So let me know if I made a good choice for that trade to try to save my season or if I panicked too hard and I made a bad deal. So with all that being said, there are the, there are the headlines. I'm going into the recap. I'm going to start with my famously horrible money line parlay. I had Green Bay and Cleveland on the money line, and wouldn't you know it, it goes one for two for the sixth week in a row, and I I just, I don't know what to do anymore. I'm not even going to lie. I'm not going to pretend that I'm all positive about it. I'm pissed. I'm I'm not a quitter, though, so I won't quit. Don't ever call me a quitter. I don't quit, but man, it's it's tough out here for money line parlays. Green Bay wins 24-14 over the Bears and cash the first leg, so I'll start there. The Bears' D-line, headlined by Khalil Mack, is for real. They brought pressure on Aaron Rodgers all day long. They got three sacks on the day, but they made Rodgers get the ball out quick all game long, which made it difficult for the Packers to get it going, but they ended up you know, getting 24 points still because it's the Packers, because they have so many weapons. Packers' offense was just too, for, too much for them, like I said, and the Packers' weapons just always seemed to show up and win them ball games. Aaron Jones had over 100 yards and a touchdown. Devontae Adams, I think, had like 90 yards. And Aaron Rodgers had three total TDs, and it was just too much for Fields and the Bears to handle. Fields didn't play well. He was 16 for 27 for 174 yards, a TD, and a pick. And the interception was a bad one in the back of the end zone that, I I mean, I hope he was trying to throw away. I mean, if you watch the highlight, I hope he was trying to throw that away. It was a horrible pick. He almost got caught with one later in the game, too, but it ended up getting called back. Rodgers ran one in, and he let the crowd know that he still runs things in Chicago. I'm pretty sure the exact quote was like, I own you. And I literally called that. If you watch the Sunday quick hitter, I said his, you know, his thing's going to be hanging around. He wants to slap everyone in the head with it. And that's exactly what he did. He runs one in in Chicago and lets everyone know, I'm still the king here. I got the biggest wiener in all of Chicago. <laughs> so, like I said, the Packers cashed the first leg of the money line parlay. But... I wasn't even confident. We've been here before five weeks in a row, and now we were hoping for the banged-up Browns to beat the Arizona Cardinals, and the Browns lost 37-14. This one was over in the first quarter. I know it was only 7 nothing in the first quarter, but Baker looked absolutely brutal. He had a horrible INT where he overthrew his open receiver by about 20 yards, and it never got better. Cards went up 17-0 in the second quarter, and at that point, with no Nick Chubb, a banged-up Kareem Hunt, and no Odell for most of the game, the Browns just had no playmakers for them to win the game. Like Donovan Peoples-Jones, good for him. He had a great game. He's, he, he may be an okay receiver in this league, but they just don't have any like key playmakers with Chubb and Hunt and Odell out because Baker's not going to win you a game, and he just showed it. He just can't do it. I know he's battling a dislocated shoulder, and it looked gross. I called it instantly. I texted my group chat. was like, yo, he just popped his shoulder out. And they're like, what are you talking about? I see things with shoulder injuries. It's just it's gross. But when the Browns can play with the lead – They're great because they can kill the clock and they can run the ball with the best of them. But when they come from behind, it's just not pretty to watch. Like I said, the Browns lost 37-14 and seven of those points came off a 65-yard Hail Mary. And there's no one in the NFL that can look as bad as Baker Mayfield while also throwing for a 65-yard Hail Mary touchdown. But he does it. He just looks brutal and he still gets the results. I don't know how he does it. The Browns lose, lost us the money line parlay, chalk it up, put it on the board, 0-6. 
on the season. But like I said, I'm not a quitter, and we're going on to the spread picks. Let's start with a win, and it's the Cowboys and the Pats game. I had the Cowboys minus four. The Cowboys win 35-29 in overtime, and this game was crazy. It had everything. It had good offense. It had good defense, good special teams, especially from the Cowboys, and the Cowboys end up getting a TD in overtime to cash us the ticket for a long time. I didn't think this was going to cash for us, especially when the Cowboys didn't get the ball. I'm like, well, they're just going to go down and kick a field goal. But even though I thought the Cowboys could have been up like 28 to 14 at the half, they had three straight red zone trips for the Cowboys. uh, Or yeah, three straight red zone trips for the Cowboys in the first half went turnover, field goal, turnover, which is just so unlike the Cowboys. That just never happens. For three red zone trips for an offense like that to come out with three points, Maybe give props to the Pats D, but maybe they just were a little bit off that game and they still had 35 points. Cowboys had three cracks from the one yard line at one point and Dak fumbled trying to stretch over the line and the Pats were up 14-10 at the halftime. But like I said, I was shocked. I thought it could have been 28-14 to for the Cowboys at the half. So hearing that, you may think, well, Dylan, they did. They forced two turnovers. The Patriots defense played great and at times I think they did. They really... Sh- uh, they like they shut down a couple key receivers, Cooper and Lamb, early in the game. But then Dak shredded them for 445 yards and three touchdowns. Zeke had 120 total yards, and they got 35 points scored against him. So the Pats D really didn't play that great. Like I said, early in the game, the Pats D was really limiting Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb. But the, it just the Cowboy offense can't be stopped. CeeDee Lamb finished with nine catches for 149 yards and two touchdowns. So even with having a slow first half and them shutting him down, they have just too many weapons and they can't be stopped. They go to Zeke and then Lamb or Cooper just becomes open. They just, you can't stop them. So quickly, a couple shout outs for this game. Damian Harris for the Pats looked really good. He looked really explosive. He had 18 carries for 101 yards and a touchdown. Mac Jones looked okay at times. He made some good throws. He has a final stat line of 15 for 21 for 229 yards and two touchdowns. But knowing that one of those plays was a kind of a blown coverage, a 75-yard TD pass to Kendrick Bourne kind of makes the stat line underwhelming. And I know I'm hard on Mac, and I'm not a QB coach, but I think he will be fine. I don't think he's ever going to be great like a confetti quarterback that they say or the sole reason a team wins a Super Bowl, but he'll be okay. And at the end of the day, the Cowboys win 35-29 in overtime, the touchdown to C.D. Lamb, and they cash us the minus four ticket. So we're going on to the Bills game. And I'm not going to go too much in this game because it was on Monday night. And if you listen to this podcast, I assume you're not really a fan of me. You're more a fan of football. You're just looking to get a common man's take on the game. So you probably watch the game. So Derrick Henry showed he is the best running back in football going for 143 yards on the ground and three rushing touchdowns. He's the pure mix of size, speed, belligerence, pugnacity, and shout out Brian Burke. And guess, and he just he covered the spread and won the game outright, and it was all on him. So Some people are like, oh, Tannehill played well. It's easy for Tannehill to go like do well on third down when it's third and two because Derrick Henry averages four yards a run. Like, it's crazy. Tannehill just has to make a three or four-yard dump off every third down, and, and it's a first down, and he looks great. But it's all facilitated by Derrick Henry. Taylor Lewan went down in this game. Shout out the boy. Bustin' with the boys podcast. Shout out the boy, Taylor Lewan. Hope you're okay. Thought, T's and P's with you, brother. End of this game killed me. I love the being aggressive, and the announcers loved Sean McDermott being aggressive for the Bills. But the Bills have a chance to kick the field goal with 20 seconds left to tie it and send it into OT. Instead, they try the QB sneak on fourth and one, and they get stuffed, and it's game over. We lose. Titans win outright onto the dog of the week, which, I mean, it wasn't great. Let me just get a sip of water here. 
All right, on to the dog of the week. We had the Chargers plus 135 on the money line versus the Ravens. The Ravens ended up winning 34 to 6. And I'm not going to go too much into this game because, I mean, it was 34 to 6 for the Ravens. I can admit when I was wrong. But also, I think even if you thought the Ravens would win, everyone thought it would be close. So was I wrong? Yes. But it, this was a game that surprised everyone. The Ravens did whatever they wanted on offense and defense. And it's funny because if, if you look at his stat line of like Lamar's stat line, 19 for 27, 167 yards and one TD, two interceptions. It's, it's so bad from the outside looking in. You'd be like, how the hell did they put up 34 points? Lamar didn't even play good. But I've watched this game, and I felt like he played good. I was shocked when I looked at the stat line after the game. I felt like he just made every throw that he had to. He looked good. He looked comfortable. The two picks, one of them was his fault. The second one I didn't really think was his. But, like, I don't know. The stat line didn't really speak to how well Lamar played. I thought he played really well. Everyone rushed well for the Ravens. It seemed like everyone was getting five yards a carry. They averaged 4.9 yards per carry. And they held the ball for 38 minutes and seven seconds to the Chargers, 21-53. When you have the ball th for 38 minutes on offense, like, you're going to win the game. I can admit when I was wrong. Hopefully the Chargers can recharge. <laughs> and now let's get a word from our sponsor over at Bounty Sports before we get into the look ahead and some hot takes. If you've made it this far, thank you for listening. But let me tell you about the sponsor of this podcast, Bounty Sports, the Pick'em style daily fantasy sports website and app where you can join tournaments for as little as $1. They run tournaments in NFL, NHL, NBA, MLB, UFC, soccer, and even the PGA. Go on my Twitter at DylanKelly9797 and sign up using my link to let them know I sent you and you get a free $5 when you sign up using my link. You could use that for five different tournaments and make absolute bank. Bounty Sports. Pick quick, win big. Man, who wrote that ad? Guy's got a lot of talent, I think. Anyways, with bye weeks coming into play now, there are a lot less games and a lot less games to like, in my opinion, and it's a lot less quality in terms of the matchups. This week, the Bills, Cowboys, Chargers, and Steelers are among the teams on bye this week. And that takes a lot of quality off the board, in my opinion. And in comparison, last week, the Falcons, Saints, Jets, and 49ers were on bye. And I didn't hear anybody complain. I didn't hear one person say anything about that when the Jets, 49ers, Saints, like Falcons, no one cares. Unless you have Cordero Patterson, I guess, on your fantasy team or whatever. But anyways, with that being said, I absolutely hate the board this week. So this may be quick. But let's get into breaking down the next week's slate. We're going to the Thursday nighter to start. It's the Browns versus the Broncos. The Browns are minus 3.5 on the spread, minus 185 on the money line. Broncos, plus 3.5, plus 155 on the money line. And the Browns lost Kareem Hunt last week for apparently what could be six or more weeks. He won't need surgery, but apparently he's going to come back around uh, American Thanksgiving. So six weeks or so, and... Right now, as of Tuesday, Nick Chubb still hasn't practiced. And I don't think he's really expected to play, especially on quick turnaround Thursday. Like he missed the Sunday night or Sunday afternoon game. I don't think he's going to be playing on Thursday. And Odell has been in and out with a shoulder injury. And they're without Jarvis Landry already with a knee injury. So they just don't have any playmakers in the backfield or at wide receivers. All their best pass catchers are out. So, and Teddy Bridgewater is coming off a Jameis Winston type game here where he had 334 yards, three touchdowns, three interceptions, and a fumble. So you just don't know what to expect there. Um, I'll be on TD scores because it's Thursday night, so 
make sure you go on my Twitter at Dylan Kelly 9797 or the podcast Twitter at Dylan Kelly Show because I'll be tweeting them out, but I'll be on touchdown scores in this game. So I probably won't bet the actual game. But if you're going to bet the game and you want my opinion, I'd probably lean the Broncos plus three and a half, maybe even the under in that game, even though it's at 42 and a half. But those are my two leans, I'd say. Broncos plus three and a half and maybe even the under 42 and a half because it's two not very good offenses. So now we move to the, on Sunday, the Bengals versus the Ravens. The Bengals plus six and a half, plus 240 on the money line. Ravens minus six and a half, minus 300 on the money line. And the over-under set at 47. I think this one's actually right on in terms of odds. The way, like the odds makers at Betway have this right on. I could see the Ravens winning by a touchdown or more here in like a 31-24 game or something like that. Um, the one thing I'm leaning heavily towards this game is the over 47. Um just on stats alone, which I get, like you have to do the eye test plus stats, but just on stats alone, um, this over should hit. The Ravens average 28.3 points per game. Bengals average 24.7 points per game. So this technically has the makings. It could be a shootout. Um, the Bengals and the Ravens both have the ability to go off for 30 points in a game. We've seen that with both teams. So early leans would be maybe like the Ravens minus 6.5 and the over 47 in that game. Um, on to the next one, Washington football team versus the Green Bay Packers. Green Bay Packers are minus 9.5 on the spread, minus 420 on the money line. The over-under set at 49. And I think the Packers win here, but I really don't think they cover. I don't, ha- And I don't have enough faith in Washington to even say that I'm leaning that way. So there's no pick or no lean here for me. Quickly, I seen a tweet from Washington football, t- a football team fan that said, you know what, if Fitzmagic didn't get injured, we win this division. Dude, your your defense is brutal. The Cowboys are in your division. Like, what what an idiot. Like, what an irrational fan. I don't know anything about irrational fans. And by the way, the Leafs are winning the Cup this year. Don't even question it. They are. So, on to the Falcons versus the Dolphins. The Falcons, minus 2.5 on the spread, minus 135 on the money line. Dolphins, plus 2.5, plus 115 on the money line. And the over-under set at 47.5. Um, two is back. He played well in London last week. Um, even though they lost. In my mind, this is two bad teams playing each other, and the advantage goes to the Falcons coming off the bye. They get to watch that game. Um, while, like in, while Miami traveled back and forth to London, Falcons got the rest and watch and game plan for that game, and I know they're a bad team, but that kind of puts the advantage in the Falcons' favor. Um, the early lean here would be the Falcons minus 2.5, but I just hate betting on trapped, like bad teams and hoping that they play well. And although they shouldn't have to play great to beat Miami, like that's kind of why I'm leaning there. I still just don't like betting bad teams. Like Matt Ryan kind of washed up. And then you're you're hoping on Cordero Patterson and maybe Mike Davis, Calvin Ridley's back, but maybe those guys to go off. But I don't know. Two is just good enough to maybe keep a team in a game. Maybe you look money line at minus 135 for a parlay. But my early leans would be all over the Falcons in that game. Minus 2.5, minus 135 on the money line. I don't really like the Dolphins in that one. Moving on to the Jets versus the Pats. The Pats are minus seven and minus 320 on the money line. And the over-under set at uh, 42.5. Jets are plus seven, plus 250 on the money line. They played earlier this season, and the Pats won 25 to six. That was in week two, and Mac really wasn't comfortable yet. He's just kind of getting his feet wet in the league, like whatever. He's not really maybe comfortable with the playbook. He had just gotten there. So I really do think that they let him loose this week. And if they don't, Pats are in trouble. But with that being said, on feel alone, like I said, I'm not looking at stats. On feel alone, I like the Pats here. 
Bill Belichick's game plan will shut down Zach Wilson again, just like in the first week when Wilson threw four interceptions, or second week, sorry, when Wilson threw four interceptions against the Pats. And like I said, I think the Pats are going to be aggressive on offense for the, like, really the first time. And when I mean that, I don't mean power run, power run, power run. I mean, they're actually going to let Mac Jones kind of open up, maybe throw downfield, call a bunch of plays. The Jets' D is not very good. So you know what? This is a perfect game to build up Mac Jones's confidence if you're ever going to do it. So my early lean, because it's Tuesday, it's always early. I break down these games if I pick them on Friday, but my early lean would be Pats minus seven and maybe even the over 42 and a half, because why not? I can see the Pats winning 35-14 or something like that, especially if they let Mac, Mac lose. So early leans, Pats minus seven and the over 42 and a half. On to the Panthers versus the Giants. The Giants are plus two and a half, minus 130 on the money line. Panthers minus two, two and a half, minus 150 on the money line. The over-under set at 43. Um, I hope Chuba Hubbard goes off for my fantasy football team. Other than that, no lean, no bet. Next. Um, Chiefs versus the Titans. I actually like this game. Chiefs are minus 4.5, minus 215 on the money line. Titans uh, plus four and a half, plus 170 on the money line. And the over-under is fit at, set at 57. This is actually a toss-up. I think this is going to be a really good game. I don't really see how the Kansas City defense stops Derrick Henry. Um, the over-under at 57 shows that the books think, at least, that this is going to be a shootout. Um, most times when books think that games are going to be a shootout, they kind of go the other way. So maybe look up that stat. Maybe on Friday I'll have a stat ready for you, a gambling stat about what happens when there's big spreads. Does it usually go over? Does it usually go under? We'll find out on Friday. I'd probably lean the Titans plus four and a half or Chiefs money line for a parlay, and I get that I just play both sides there. I really do. So I'm kind of middle in here. But, you know, I can see it kind of being like the Monday night game here with Titans versus the Bills and, you know, ending with like a game-winning field goal being a three-point game. So I'm more confident in Chiefs money line than Titans plus four and a half. But if you picked Titans plus four and a half or even Titans money line, like I'm not going to argue with you. I'm, I'm, I, I can probably see it both ways. So next one is Eagles versus the Raiders. The Raiders minus three. Um, minus 170 on the money line. Eagles plus three, plus 145 on the money line. The over-under is 48 and a half. I'm um, just looking at this. I feel like I can make the case for the Raiders or the Eagles money line here. I don't like Carr and the Raiders very much, but also I don't like Hurts and the Eagles. And I do think that the Raiders defense is just good enough to like stop down a kind of an average quarterback and an average offense. Um, I thought the Eagles looked, I'm doing air quotes here, good against the Bucks, and the Raiders beat the Broncos. And from what I understand, the offense and defense look good. Like, uh, in the Raiders and Broncos game. And like, uh, let me be honest with you guys. I'm a normal guy. I'm not watching film from the Broncos and the Raiders game on Sunday. I'm a normal human being, like I'm a regular guy. I'm not breaking down film from the Broncos and the, and the uh, Raiders game from Sunday. But with all that being said, I can make a case either way, just like this game. But my early lean is actually um, Raiders money line for a parlay piece. They're sitting at minus 170 right now on Betway. So looking there for a parlay piece, especially after the cancer that John Gruden is like, he's gone now. You got the cancer out of the locker room. Raiders might have some momentum. Um, next game, I don't like these next three in a row here because I'll talk about it here. Um, the Rams, minus 15.5 favorites over the Lions. They're minus 1,000 on the money line. Lions plus 15.5, plus 660 on the money line. Poor Lions, they may never win. The over-under set at 50. Um, I hate the huge spreads. Like I said, minus 1,000 on the money line is hilarious to me. If you're into gambling Twitter, just wait. I'm getting, yeah, I'm going to call him out. I'm going to call it a big dog here. He's got like 25,000 followers. Just wait on Sunday or on Saturday, uh, the right side on Twitter is going to make you pay for a parlay with a minus 1300 money line and a minus 1000 money line in this and make you pay for those picks. Like it's absolutely ridiculous. I seen him like, uh, 
a couple weeks ago, he had minus 500 or minus 600 Packers money line. He put $40,000 on it, was bragging like that he gave away that pick and it was a winner. It's minus 600, pal. Relax. Um, This kid show. Relax, Dylan. Anyways, next game, Texans versus Cardinals. Cardinals minus 17-point favorites, minus 1,300 on the money line. That's hilarious. Texans plus 17, plus 800 on the money line. The over-under set at 47. It's the same thing here. It's a stay-away game in terms of spread or money line at minus 1,300. But I may lean the over here. Um, I may have an over parlay this week. Like That's a max three legs because I do like the over-under spreads this week. Cardinals could put up 40 by themselves and... I don't know, the Texans could probably score seven. Cardinals just play prevent defense. You think the Texans may get one touchdown. So, I mean, I think I could see I could see Cardinals putting up 40, Texans getting seven or more, hitting the over there. Next game, Bears and Bucks, another huge spread here. Bucks minus 13 points, point favorite, minus 750 on the money line. Bears plus, t- plus 13, plus 530 on the money line. The over-under set at 47. Same thing here. This is what I meant by less quality. There's three games that are 15 and a half, 17 and 13 point spreads. Like there's just less quality with these good teams out. Um, I think the Bears score more than 17. If the Bears score more than 17 points, I'd be absolutely shocked because the offense, like they're a run first offense. You can't run against the Bucs. Um, and I don't know. I just don't have any faith in their throwing game. Um, the defense for the Bears is just good enough to hold the Bucks here under 30, I'd say. So like the over-unders out of play for me. Maybe the spread's out of play for me. The money line at minus 750 would be out of play for me. Stay away game for me. Um, I think this is the Sunday nighter. Colts versus the 49ers. 49ers minus three and a half point favorites coming off the bye week. Minus 195 on the money line. Colts are plus three, 3.5 on the spread. Plus 165 on the money line. And the over-under set at 45. I look at this and think like instantly dog of the week. But like I absolutely can't stand betting on and watching Carson Wentz and cheering for him. I, I feel bad for Colts fans having to watch Philip Rivers and now Carson Wentz over the last two seasons. It's just been brutal. It's like th- having those two guys lead the way for you. You know in the fourth quarter it's just an absolute toss-up, whether it's going to be a pick, fumble, or touchdown. You just don't know. Um, 33%, 33.3% for each. Um, these teams match up almost identically in every offensive stat. Um San Francisco doesn't give up a ton of yards per game on D, but they do allow like almost 24, 23.8 points per game. So they do let off points. So my early lean would be Colts, Colts money line, probably part of the money line parlay or, or even like I said, or sorry, Colts spread or money line for the dog of the week. Um, Monday night football. It's the saints versus the Seahawks. Can you imagine a couple years ago? This is breeze versus uh, Russell Wilson. And it's just a great Monday night game and we're all happy, but now it's Jameis Winston versus Geno Smith. And it's great to see Jameis in prime time, but Jameis, Jameis versus Geno on Monday, like really, real cool here. Seahawks are plus five, plus one eighty five on the money line. Saints minus five, minus two thirty five on the money line. The over under set at forty three and a half. I like that Sean Payton got a uh, got a week to game plan coming off the bye week for Geno Smith and the Seahawks because they're just not that great of a team right now without Russell Wilson. Um, I'll break this down, break this game down more if I take it. Um, and if I take it, my early lean would be Saints minus five. And I really, like I said, I cannot wait to see Jameis Winston in primes. I hope he has 400 yards, four touchdowns, four picks, and a fumble. Like, I just hope it's classic Jameis Winston. And I'm just going to grab a sip of water, but because it's getting real hot in here, I'm sweating. I'm going to take my tarp off, too, for this. It is time for the Tuesday Hot Takes, baby. It's Hot Take Tuesday. Just give me a second. All right. Last week's Hot Takes to recap. Bill Belichick fired at the end of the season. That's a futures bet. Just kind of bank it away for now. Aaron Rodgers, five total TDs versus the Bears. He had three. 
Chargers beat the Ravens by 10 or more. Wasn't even close. But that's kind of why they're hot takes. Like, I don't think really we're expecting them to pick here or hit here. They're more controversial things that like, they're more to talk about. They're not supposed to hit. That's why they're hot takes. They're not gambling picks. Anyways, into the first one. Hot take number one. Mac Jones throws for 300 plus yards and three TDs this week. And I know I'm hard on this kid, but this is the week they really let him loose against a horrible team in the New York Jets. If they don't let him loose, then maybe Bill is the issue or Mac is definitely the issue because he's got no, Bill's got no trust in him and Bill kind of knows what he's talking about when it comes to quarterbacks, I would think. I think they're going to let him loose. And if, they, if he does well and he, like, he throws for 300-plus touchdowns, three, like he hasn't done that all season. Let me just check here. His, uh, Mac hasn't thrown for more than 275 yards or two touchdowns in a game. So this one is spicy, spicy, spicy. Mac Jones, 300-plus yards and three touchdowns this week. My hot take number two, and people are going to hate me because this is almost like a, not a bandwagon, but this is the, the team of America, the Dallas Cowboys, they make the Super Bowl out of the NFC. They're the top dogs in the NFC. They make the Super Bowl. Hot take number two, Cowboys are the Super Bowl, baby. I, barring major injury to Dak or Trevon, or Trevon Diggs on defense because he's an absolute game changer on D, um, this team is good, and they have a pretty weak schedule the rest of the way, so they're going to win the division. I know there are some absolute monsters in the NFC, like the Rams, Bucks. Cardinals, even maybe the Packers at five and one, but I would take this Cowboy team in a shootout against anyone. You tell me it's going to be an all offensive battle. You're telling me you're not going to take the Cowboys against anybody. They're going to be one of the top teams that you think about in a shootout. I, I, I absolutely love it. L- listen to the weapons Dak, Zeke, Cooper, Lamb, Pollard, Gallup once he's back. Hot, hot, hot take here. Cowboys make the Super Bowl. My third hot take. I was struggling for a third hot take this week, but. I'm going to do the Dylan Kelly power rankings of the top 10 teams in the NFL. And I'm not even going to give you any any reasoning. I'm just going to let you sit there and be like, no, you idiot. No, you idiot. Or agree with me. So here we go. This one has an asterisk on it. Number 10, Browns, when they're healthy. Deal with it. Number nine, Raiders, no more cancer in the locker room. That is John Gruden. Number nine, Raiders. Number eight, Packers sitting at five and one. Number seven, Chargers coming off a loss, going into a bye week. Chargers at number seven. Bills, number six, coming off a loss. I got a text from a, uh, a a good source that says he thinks that the Bills need to add a running back or another receiver, a good playmaker on offense. If they want to win a Super Bowl this year, have the Bills at number six on the Dylan Kelly Power Rankings. Number five, Baltimore Ravens coming off a big win versus the Chargers. They're sitting at number five. Number four, the Bucks, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they're banged up in the secondary, slotting them in at number four. Number three, the Dallas Cowboys. Number two, the Los Angeles Rams. And the number one team in the NFL, according to Dylan Kelly, is the Arizona Cardinals. So to recap, 10 Browns, 9 Raiders, 8 Packers, 7 Chargers, 6 Bills, 5 Ravens, 4 Bucks, 3 Cowboys, 2 Rams, 1 Cardinals. Debate away. Follow my socials at DylanKelly9797 and the podcast social at Dylan Kelly Show, and we will see you for our gambling picks on Friday. Let's have a day. Peace!